0: everyone. I'm Troy Dodds and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by The Western Weekender. On this podcast, I'm joined by special guests who all have such great stories to tell about Penrith and the role they've played in our city. They are Penrith stories told by Penrith people. Today, my special guest is Belinda Wollaston. Belinda is one of our top musical theatre exports. She made a name for herself here in Australia before making the leap and heading over to London where her career has flourished. But it all started right here in Penrith. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Belinda, thank you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: First question we always ask, where were you born and where did you grow up?
1: I was born in the Pen Hospital and I grew up in South Penrith.
0: Excellent. And where did you go to school?
1: I went to school at Penrith South Primary School and then went on to Jamison High School.
0: Now, given the career that you eventually followed, you grow up in a uh, in a musical household? Is there any like pedigree there? Where, where did this come from?
1: No, <laughs> no, there was no history of uh, any kind of uh, music in my family. Um, it all started, I think, from watching Disney films which I think a lot of people had that influence as well. Um, just listening to Princess Jasmine and Belle from Beauty and the Beast sing, and I would sit in front of the TV and and try and imitate them and sound like them. And then I discovered, um, you know, singers like Judy Garland and um, Broadway singers like Patti LuPone, and, and I would listen to their CDs and I'd lock myself in the bathroom, and i pretty much just taught myself how to sing and that is kind of where it all started but it was never something that I ever thought that I would ever do professionally it sort of just it was something I just loved to do I was an only child Uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money so it was my outlet it was my thing that kept me occupied and I guess I would go off into a place and dream about yeah, singing in front of people and being on stage.
0: And so when's the first time that you feel like this is a, a career that you you, you might want to follow? And, and what do your parents do in regards to helping you follow it?
1: Um, I think the first... I, I think for theatre, because before, before theatre, before I even saw theatre, I just wanted to be like a, a voice for Disney <laughs> <laughs> or like a singer. And then in Year 6... Uh, we had a school excursion to Jamison High School's matinee of Greece. And it was at that performance of Greece that I was completely sold. And I suddenly, it was very, you know, the girl playing Sandy, I wanted to be her. And I fell in love with the idea of being on stage. And it, I don't know, something just came over me and I was hooked. So it was in that school hall. At Jamison High School that I actually first saw my very first stage show and then in year seven um, we went on an excursion uh, to the Theatre Royal in Sydney to see Les Mis and that was a very profound moment for me because um, I remember my music teachers paying for my ticket because my mum couldn't afford it at the time and there was an interval and I asked if I could just stay in the auditorium because I didn't want to leave. And still to this day I don't like leaving an in intermission. I, I like to like just sit and take up, you know, be in the theatre. And I was just seeing Rachel Beck sing I Dreamed a Dream was life-changing for me. And I made this vow that this is what I was going to do. And then it turns out a few years down the track I ended up performing on that stage at the Theatre Royal in, in Titanic um, so it was a it was quite a lovely moment, um, but we can talk about that further yeah, <laughs> down you, the track. You but,
0: mentioned your music yeah. teachers there from uh, Jamison High School. So the school, as as you're starting to develop this uh, this interest and this uh, this passion to pursue this as a career, you obviously get quite a lot of support from uh, from the school.
1: I mean, immense support. Sue Yelland, uh, Tracy Watt, and Sue Mudge, and John Ledbeater were hugely instrumental in uh giving me confidence and giving me opportunities and going out of their way to um support me putting you know in year seven I auditioned for their musical and it was sort of a they didn't they stopped doing musicals at that point in when I uh, joined the high school and they um but they did like concert nights and I sang I can see clearly now and I was so scared they put me with another girl I think her name was Cassandra and I remember holding the microphone and just shaking I was terrified Um, but they just kept saying no keep going you're going to be fine and then every year they just kept encouraging me to the point when I was in my senior year at high school, my music teachers ended up driving me into the city for auditions for various things within the department of education. I joined the, uh, Sydney school singers, which was a selective choir. And they would drive me to, uh, rehearsals there. And if, uh, and they would wait in the waiting room if I had to audition for something and, um, TDP as well. Um, the talent talent development program, which was a project that I also was involved in um, in my last two years of high school. So, and they came to my wedding (laughs) and they flew to London and attended my wedding. So, and we're still very close. Um, So they're family to me now.
0: Obviously people, um, when it comes to the entertainment industry, a lot of people have dreams surrounding being in in that industry. So when it comes to the end of, Schooling. Where was your next step to be able to say, "Well, actually, I, I I want to follow this seriously. It isn't just a a pipe dream or a or, or a fleeting thing that a lot of people have." What was the next step to take when you kind of lost that security blanket, I guess, of school as well?
1: Oh, yeah, and I did terribly in high school as well. Um, which, if I could go back, I would definitely pay more attention in high school. <laughs> I failed so much of my HSC, but I did come like top in the state for drama. And oh my gosh, for my Music performance for HSC, I lost my voice and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I got laryngitis on the day I had to yeah, perform. Wow. Um, so that was – anyway, but um, I I was lucky enough because in my final year also in uh, high school, I was doing the NIDA singer-actor-dancer course in the evenings, mm-hmm. which in hindsight was a lot – to take on, I think, as well as the talent talent development program. So I was, I think I was going to Nida four nights a week, and I was uh, finishing school, going home, getting changed, and then getting the train, going to the Penrith station, getting the train all the way into central, and then getting a bus to Nida. Uh, so. And then after and then yeah, so the when I so the next year when I graduated from NIDER in high school, I was just doing I went straight to doing plays because I did audition for WAPA, but I didn't get in. Um and so I did plays and then I did a course at the McDonald College and it was the very first year. And I don't even know if it's still there, if they're still doing that course, but it was sort of a one-year musical theater course. Um yeah, so I I did that um, for the, for my first year out of out of high school, um,
0: and, and it's around and that time, if I recall, that you meet uh, Les Solomon as well, who becomes um, a big part of your early career.
1: Yes, yes, Les Solomon and uh, yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in, in, um, indeed, and, and I guess following into that, it was in two thousand and two. So at this point, you're only uh, you know nineteen or, or something like that. You. Uh, you make a, a debut in in your, your own cabaret show, which is something that traditionally, I guess, had been done by a lot of older performers. Uh, was there any question marks from others about you um, You're you doing this sort of one-hour show oh in, your, in your own right? Yes.
1: Who is this girl? Why is she doing She's got nothing to talk about because uh, what I learned further down the line is that cabaret is about you. It's about your stories, what you have to offer, your history, your, you know, your experiences, and I didn't have a lot to tell at that point. I was a teen, you know, a teenager. um, And I think it was called Songs from My Hairbrush, The Bedroom, Mirror and Me. But I just want to go back for one second and say that we went to high school together. We did. But we we also, and we only found this out, was about two years ago, we found out that we actually also went to like preschool together. Preschool,
0: we did indeed, yes. We were next (laughs) to each other in a uh, photo that randomly popped up.
1: I mean, is that not the most random thing?
0: Very small world.
1: (laughs) Such a small world. Um, You've been an incredible friend and an incredible support to me in my career, especially in those early days. Um, So I have a lot to thank to you. well well I feel yes, like so
0: w- when we did that uh, that show in 2002 so i my hairbrush neither of us really knew what uh, we were doing but uh, oh my goodness, it, no, it was a period at um, the, the end of the day uh, the the show was was a success lots of people there in 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 Bondi Junction a venue that was on top of a pizza shop that uh, that was that was uh, pretty popular at the time
1: I think it was called cabaret, cabaret Junction. Cabaret Junction, Junction. yes. Yeah. No, I remember it well. And I've got a lovely photo of us backstage. Well, backstage. Well, in there, <laughs> in the tiny cupboard. Next to the pizza uh, oven,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, next to the pizza oven. Um, but that show actually did a lot for my career because it really kicked off a lot of things after that. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence to do another one. <laughs> yes, and covered.
0: that's that's a year later, of course. And um that was in, in 2003. So those shows, they're obviously before you make your, um, your your major debut, but also you were doing stuff in Penrith at that time as well, um, Joan Sutherland yeah. Centre and, and various bits and pieces around Penrith, Penrith Musical Society. I guess just any opportunity to get on stage in, in any form.
1: No, it's all right. And actually, sorry, I did forget to say that in the very early days of when I was in high school, I had scholarships at the Joan Sutherland Centre for singing. My singing lessons were at the Joan Sutherland Centre um and i did a couple of little sort of pro am shows there as well and the penrith musical society as well <laughs> so yeah i forgot to mention that bit in the beginning um but yeah the the cabaret world really did um open up a lot of opportunities for me
0: indeed and i guess the, the next step for any performer of, of that age is is I guess making your professional debut, uh, and, and I guess, do, do you feel the pressure at that point? Because this is something that um, look you can do at any age, but there's a bit of pressure on, on making it making it happen when you're a bit younger as well, because of, obviously all the variety of roles that are that are going to be open to you in the future. So was the was the pressure on, and and when did you finally get that? So I guess professional break.
1: I think um, it was Mamma Mia, and I. I really just didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just, I had so much energy. And I think Mamma Mia is all about energy. Uh, The ensemble, it has to have have to be energetic. You have to be uh, passionate and young and, well, the ensemble, a lot of the ensemble roles anyway. And I think that just fit perfectly for me at the time because even though I didn't do the three-year sort of traditional uh, whopper. You know, think. You know, musical theater college. Yeah. M- Mama Mia was my where I learnt my skills as a performer in musical theater. I learned to pick up your costume and hang it up. To you know, the basic stuff that you just don't know. And um, and a lot of the the women in the show were obviously much more older than me and had a lot of shows under their belt. And they really took me under under their wing and. You know, taught me how to be in musical theatre and how to not only just be a performer, but how to be a, a decent human being as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, and Mamma Mia gives
0: you the thing. opportunity, of course, to travel the country with that show as well. So you yep. learn you learn about uh, about touring life and living on the road as well.
1: Yes, yes. Gave myself food poisoning. My friend Natalie Alexopoulos in the show tried to teach me how to cook, and that didn't go very well. Um, that was in New Zealand. <laughs> Um, but I got to go to Hong Kong. I had my twenty-first birthday in Hong Kong, and we hired out a, a nightclub somewhere in the city, and got hideously drunk, and it was fabulous. And I have, and I've made some of my best friends from that show, and everyone from that cast have, have just gone on to do such great things. We had Sylvie Paladino playing Donna at the time, and um, it was it was just a wonderful production to be a part of. And I also got to understudy the three young leads as well. So, what well, that was a huge learning curve because you would do eight shows a week but you'd be also going in on a Wednesday for understudy calls as well uh, uh so that was sorry not a Wednesday it was a Thursday Wednesday we had a met yeah so Thursday um, so you'd be living in the theater a lot and I loved it I absolutely loved it
0: and, and probably that workload is something that that most people don't realize when um you know when they when they jump in the uh, the theater at you know few minutes before eight o'clock on a a night for the next couple of hours. I don't realise, I guess, what goes into that workload, particularly when you hadn't done it before.
1: No. And, you know, you have to be at the theatre at least two hours before the show and you do a company warm-up on stage and then you have, you know, 40 minutes or so to get ready backstage. And it's a whole whole world going on behind the scenes that you just don't know until you're there. Um, People come and put your mic on in your dressing room and – yeah, it's all very exciting. But it is, it's a job. You're at the theatre from 6 until, sometimes 5 30 5.30 until, you know, 11, 10.30, depending on the show and the length. We'll go
0: through uh, some other shows as well, but I guess the, the difficulty of the life of a performer, and at this point you've started a professional career, is that, you know, you don't necessarily go from show to show. So you've got to no. um, put food on the table and make money in between. And, of course... You, like many other performers, end up doing a whole bunch of random jobs, including here in Penrith.
1: Yeah, yeah, I sang at the opening of the Krispy Kreme uh, (laughs) store restaurant in Penrith, near Penrith Panthers. Is that still there?
0: It is very much still there. Yes, serving nice hot donuts.
1: Well, I'm pleased to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, I did so many singing competitions for money. Oh, so many random jobs. I worked in retail. Uh, Lovesack was a thing for a while. Gigantic beanbags. There yes, was a store in, there in was Westfield, was Westfield Now, while, now, yeah.
0: a, Now a Starbucks, I think.
1: Oh, is it a Starbucks right? It is, now, right? Yes. <laughs> um, oh, I taught singing. I did a lot of teaching as well, which helped me a lot with the bills because that paid rather rather well compared to working retail. Um but that's the sort of stuff that I would do in between in between gigs. But I was really lucky in, in the first ten years, I think, of my career, because I would I'd be very I'd kind of only have a month or two in between gigs, um, and I managed to save as well and buy myself a, a flat. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I felt like I was really blessed in those first ten years of my career.
0: And of course, after *Mamma Mia*, you do uh, *Summer Rain* at the at the Sydney Theatre Company, and then uh, *Titanic* at the Theatre Royal, which is uh, the show you mentioned earlier that you were back on that Theatre Royal stage. *Titanic*, um, you know, first, I guess, major role in a, in a major musical at a major theatre in Sydney. Uh, obviously, yeah. a big moment.
1: Oh yeah, it was every night. I with uh, there was a scene where we'd have to be up in the gantry in the sort of the top of the ship, and sing this beautiful song. And it was meant to be in the middle of the night, you know, just before we hit the iceberg. And I just could see, and the way the lights were hit, you could just see everyone in the audience. And I just, every night, would just be like, I'm just so grateful to be here. And I'm just, every night, I was like, I just don't want this to end. I don't want this moment to end. I just loved it so much.
0: Absolutely. Now then, a whole bunch of musicals happened. What One that stands out, um, not necessarily for uh, for any other reason than it was, an absolute hoot and and obviously has sort of come back into our minds in in recent times due to the loss of of Shane Warne but Shane Warne the musical becomes a bit of fun like you're doing a whole bunch of different things as is the life of a performer going from something like Titanic to then doing you know a a big musical like Assassins which is um which is obviously one that um is a bit more serious you could say and then hitting up something like Shane Warne.
1: Yeah I mean that was a great show to do neil armfield uh was the director it's eddie perfect who has become a huge household name he wrote beetlejuice on broadway um he's doing wonderful things and it was a hoot i got to play so many different characters and it was a rock musical which was way out of my comfort zone because i was such a traditional musical theater sort of pop singer and to come in and sing rock and i also understudied shane's mum. uh (laughs) And I'd sing this song about getting off, uh, get off the couch. It was just so much fun. It really was. And the audience loved it. It was a great time in my life doing that show and being in Melbourne at the Athenaeum Theatre. And we met Shane Warne a lot. He came to opening night and he was uh, around loads. And yeah, I was very, very sad that he passed away. Really sad.
0: Indeed. And yeah.
1: hopefully his show will be. Uh, be put on again.
0: Yeah, it would be great soon. if it, to, it was. Now the shows just keep coming, but I imagine during this time as well that you are auditioning for things that you you don't get. How how do you handle the the rejection side of of the business when shows pop up that you desperately want? Um, no, you know, is it just a lot of ice cream on the couch or is it <laughs> what's what's the plan? Instead
1: of eating garlic pizza with you and drinking <laughs> wine on the couch. <laughs> yes, um, I didn't. I definitely didn't handle it very well in those early days. That's something that drama schools don't prepare you for, I don't think. Um, They say that you've got to be tough and it's just the business, don't take it personally, it's just a job. But I think when you love it, and we all love it, you're you're not in this business if you don't love it. Otherwise, it's just too hard. But I really struggled. I really struggled. There were days where I just didn't want to get out of bed. One of those shows that I didn't, well, I got really close to getting and there was a few where I was very close that mm. would have been just a dream and I didn't get and I really struggled with it. And at the time I put on a brave face and only a few people knew that I struggled but I really did and I don't know and I was talking to my friend Hayden T who's a yeah, quite a successful musical theatre star himself and we were both saying it just doesn't get any easier as you get older either. It's a really hard thing, and I think because you're constantly dealing with it maybe every few months, maybe every couple of weeks, it's not something you, that happens to you every couple of years. It, it's something that happens a lot, unless you're incredibly lucky and you get every show you go for. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's really tough.
0: Of course, there's plenty of, um, of positives as well. And around 2010, you're in your, your late 20s, and you pick up a couple of, uh, of big musicals and tours, Jekyll and Hyde and Dr. Zhivago. So they, they again start to take you um, into the touring life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dr. Zhivago was such a special show to be able to be on stage. I was alternate... Uh, uh, Oh, gosh, I've just forgotten. Lara. Oh, my God, La- Lara. And um, I got to go on once a week for that role. And then I played other roles in the show as well for the rest of the time. But once a week I got to sing opposite Anthony Wallow. And my mum and my dad got to see that. And I think that's a moment in my career I'll never forget is singing all those beautiful duets with him is something that a young girl from Penrith who dreamed of singing on stage one day, would I I don't think if I told myself back then that that would happen, I don't think I'd believe her, you know. Um, and Jacqueline Hyde was just incredible because that's a show that I would lock myself in the bathroom and sing to. I would do the whole show in my bathroom in Penrith. Um, when I was cast the lead as Lucy Harrison, that that was just, uh, yeah, I cried singing those songs and working on that show and so many of my good mates were in that show and it was a wild time yeah it was wonderful
0: now around this time um i presume you're starting to think about the potential move overseas and obviously australia is um is a smallish market in terms of um of i guess even the entertainment industry in general but even more so musical theatre when did you start seriously thinking that that overseas was a possibility and, and where you wanted to go as far as not just to, to try your life but actually to base yourself and to live?
1: I think it was around 2012-2013 that I started to think I, like, a relationship ended that, that I was in and I kind of thought to myself it was now or never I needed to just do this for myself um It was brave, and at the time, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just had to leave. I thought, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it.
0: And what were those early days in London like?
1: They were a whirlwind. Um, Lots of sleeping on my friend's couch in Notting Hill. Uh, I was lucky enough to get signed up with one of the top agents there in London, and I got some really great auditions and got very close to lots of roles, but didn't quite land them. Um, I was involved in a couple of workshops, um, and then I finally uh, got a workshop, like a, a quite a high-profile workshop of. Um, but I'm a cheerleader. Uh, Jerry Mitchell was directing, who is the original director of Legally Blonde and Kinky Boots. Um, and that was sort of a really good foot in the door and then I went on to do a couple of other shows but my big sort of job my big break was definitely doing Judy Garland playing Judy Garland on the West End that was definitely my big break there. So tell us about how
0: that how that unfolded Uh, was that just a usual audition process and um, and and yeah as you say I guess that's that was a bit of a life-changing and career-changing moment there.
1: Yeah, I um, I did audition for it. It was so it was a fringe show. It started off as a fringe show, um, fringe meaning off the West End, uh, and it was above a pub. Well, and in London, is very famous for lots and lots of pub theatres, which is wonderful. Um, and so I auditioned uh, for for the show about Judy Garman's life, and I didn't know a huge amount about it, but I also was like. I don't think I can get away with this. I don't think I can do Judy Garland. And I think it would be terrifying to even do her in front of people because no one can do Judy Garland. And I auditioned for it and I got it. And it was really successful that we transferred to the Savick Playhouse, which is a really uh, popular, prestigious uh, theatre venue in London. And we played there. And then we transferred to the West End. And that was a day I'll never forget. Um, and I think playing Judy Gullum was a, a big tick on me um, on the bucket list there. And all I said to myself is, "I just want to get away with it. I just want to get away with it." And I did, and I got really great reviews, and it was a joy.
0: Now, of course, during this time as well as we reverse back up a little bit, you meet your uh, your partner in uh, in twenty thirteen future uh, yep. wife Alice. Yes,
1: yeah. Alice.
0: Um, yes. Now, tell tell me first of all about uh, about how you met, and also um, mm. was this relationship in particular a surprise? Let's talk about your family first of all, and how and how they reacted to that. Uh,
1: no, I was. I think I kind of came out when I was about mm, 23, 24 properly. Yeah. But I've always sort of been interested in girls and boys. I've always been interested in both and I never really put a label on it until later in life. And I dated lots and lots of women in in Australia. Uh, Lots and lots of women. But, yeah, (laughs) I dated women in Australia. Yeah. So my family knew about that. Um. And I wanted to meet. Uh, I wanted to meet someone when I came to London, and I didn't really. I don't think apps, dating apps, were a huge thing back then. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even that long ago. But you know, it wasn't. You know, we'd still go out to clubs and stuff like that. But I joined a lesbian basketball team, <laughs> 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 and I did not play basketball, but it was an opportunity to, to meet people. And it was, you know, amateur, it wasn't professional. It was like community sort of thing. And that's where I met Alice and we've sort of not looked back since then. And we got married in 2017 and we have a little boy called Rufus who's two and a half, almost two and a half. Um, and a half, and we're really happy.
0: Tell me about, uh, about Rufus. Yeah. Um, born in, in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic.
1: Oh, yeah, he was born two weeks before the lockdown, the very first lockdown. Um, so I was lucky enough to have him in hospital with Alice by my side. But I think if I had had him two weeks later, I would be forced to have him on my own. Mm. Um, so we're very lucky in that way. I mean, it was a blessing in a way because Alice suddenly had to work from home. So she was only given initially, I think, three to four weeks leave initially. So, and then she would have had to gone back to the office. But I think having her home, working from home was a huge blessing amongst all all the sadness that was going on in the world. it, It was a blessing to have her there, but it was tricky, you know, because we stopped getting you have health visitors come and check the baby and things like that. And GP appointments all stopped and everything was over video. And it was a very isolating time as well. You know, as you know, you know, you couldn't see family, you couldn't see anybody. Um, and it was scary because it really was the early, the first early weeks of COVID when no one really knew much about it and it was terrifying and throw in a newborn baby in the mix and, um, It it was a lot, very isolating time, but also a blessing because we just got to bunker down and focus on our baby.
0: I'm guessing the pandemic, as well, um, being a performer and entertainer, puts uh, some breaks on your career as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, theatre just shut down, didn't it? Shut down all over the world. I couldn't believe it when Broadway closed, West End closed, and Australia closed. Um, It was unbelievable. I think it's, you know, I think theatre is now still still struggling a lot. You know, there's this backlog of shows waiting to open that were meant to open two years ago that are now just opening now. Yep. Um, it's been very tough on lots and lots of people. Um, I feel lucky that I've had Alice working continually throughout this time, uh, but it's been really tough on lots of people. It really has.
0: And career-wise as well, I'm guessing that um, that, that parenthood and, and career and this type of career can be a difficult juggle too. Um, yeah. Which, which I mean, you... I
1: I would have taken a break anyway yeah. because I wanted to focus on being a mum for a bit and experience that and not have to do the juggle just yet. And it was only, I think, November last year I went back to work on a show and a few – was it two months ago now we closed? And that was the Good Enough Mums Club and it was actually – a musical about motherhood and everyone in the show were mums um, and the producers wanted to try and figure out how they could do this show and provide childcare and we were in the rehearsal room and we had childminders there. We had one woman breastfeeding while she was singing and we'd go on tour and they would put us up in family-friendly accommodation and they would organise nannies and and childcare and, it, yeah, and it's quite a new thing because I think... You, see, you know, 70% of women leave the arts after having kids. Yeah. And this company uh, in particular is trying to change that. And I think the UK theatre industry is is moving towards the idea of role sharing. Um, there's still a long way to go, but it was refresh- refreshing to be a part of that. Um and I'm currently on my own personal journey, had, trying to have a second baby at the moment through IBF. So I'm taking a little bit of time out for the next couple of months to focus on that. Um, but then I'll definitely go back into the world of theatre and, and get back out there. But at the moment, I'm just just taking a little break and just focusing on hopefully having another baby.
0: And of course, London is very much home. Um, ever any thoughts on on returning to Australia?
1: Yeah, Always always thinking about coming back to Australia. Um, I think I think the goal would be to come back and do a, a show, a, a contract and be based in both countries, ideally. I think that would be the dream. Um, I think when Rufus is a little bit older, I think that would be something we might look at doing.
0: Because of course um, your your mum is still, I know, based in, in the Penrith area. She's yet to meet Rue in, in person. It's a it's been a challenge the last couple of years.
1: She's not met Rue uh, yet. Um, but I'm we are planning on coming home in the next few months, maybe for Christmas. That's the current conversation that Alice and I are having. Yep. Uh, so that's the plan, hopefully, to come back for Christmas and see Mum. So hopefully we can make that happen
0: what about career goals that still exist because obviously you, you've ticked a lot of boxes through through the years you've um yeah. you know ticked it all in australia and then now in, in london do you still have specific goals or is it is it more so just about hey i just want to you know as, as crude as it sounds just stay employed in in, in the arts what's the yeah. um, where do but you sit I, there I
1: think i've always you know i've always like i just want to work I love working, I love working in the theatre, I love being on stage, and I know that sounds really a bit wanky, but it's it's true, I just love it. And for me, I really do just wanna keep working in whatever way I can in the theatre. I, I think I'm now going into a different age bracket now in casting, and I think a lot of women my age are finding that we are going into that different casting bracket now, which is kind of exciting because there was a while there where I was sort of hovering in between and getting a bit misplaced. And I think as I go, yeah, as I get a bit older, I feel like there are more, there's hopefully, I think there are, they are writing more mature roles out there. And I think, I'm hoping that that's something that I can achieve in the future. As far And as... I want to do cabaret as well. I want to get back out and do cabaret and write some more cabaret shows.
0: And potentially perform it here in Penrith.
1: Absolutely. That would be the plan. Yeah.
0: What, what would you say to somebody now who is in, in Penrith, potentially there at, uh, at Jamison High School, um, you know, at the beginning of the same path that you were? Things have obviously changed as far as the industry and opportunities and whatnot these days. But, uh, but yeah, what, what would your message be to them?
1: I think to have tunnel vision is really important, uh, to stay in your lane, And not compare yourself to other people and don't let people tell you that it's too hard because that will just pull you down. And if it's something you love and it's something you're really good at, then you should keep going and and not give up. And there's so many opportunities out there Um, in New South Wales, in the Department of Education. They offer so many opportunities for talented people, talented performers and I think you've just got to reach out and apply. Apply for every course you can get into. Get those lessons, get scholarships, apply for everything, get help, train, learn, and just say yes. Say yes to everything when, when you're starting out.
0: The final question that we uh, we always ask, a, a difficult one sometimes, uh, how would Belinda Wollaston like to be remembered?
1: Um, Gosh. <laughs> I think... I'd like to be remembered as someone who had the best time living life and who came and maybe brought some joy to theatre audiences. But I think ultimately, maybe I was a wonderful friend and wife and and mum.
0: All right. Well, we wish you all the best of uh, success in, in the future, both... Uh as a mum and on this new journey that you're on and, of course, in uh, in your career as well. And we appreciate you joining us from London.
1: Thank you, Troy. It's so nice chatting to you.
0: And I hope you enjoyed our chat. On the Record is produced by The Western Weekender. To hear future episodes, search Western Weekender wherever you listen to podcasts. and make sure you hit subscribe. Check out westernweekender.com.au and we will see you next time.